I'm Jordan Steingard, Program Manager at Columbia University's Temple Hoyne Buell Center for the Study of American Architecture. This podcast mini-series reflects on a Buell Center publication called The A&E System, Public Works and Private Interest in Architectural and Engineering Services, 2000 to 2020. In these podcasts, you'll hear from students from across GSAP who worked on the A&E System project in its various stages, from early case study research to learning to use public databases to the development and writing of the publication. In their conversations, they discuss their unique disciplinary perspectives, the role of the built environment in relation to climate change and government, and the ways that this research has shaped how they're moving forward as professionals. My name is Laura Veit, and I graduated from the Master of Architecture program in 2019. And I'm currently living in California and working at a small firm called Field Architecture in Palo Alto, and I'm on a path to licensure. My name is Alicia French. I graduated from GSAP in 2019 as well, and I currently work for Montreux DeMarco Architecture in Manhattan. And I also am a member of the Civic Leadership Program class uh, right now at the AIA. I joined the Buell Center during the summer of 2017, which was my first summer at GSAP. And then I continued with the power project for that following academic year. So that was 2017-18. And when I first joined the project, it was a relatively new initiative. So it was a very wide net we were casting in terms of research. We were interested generally in the relationships between political power and the development of infrastructure and planning in cities and specifically As a way of looking at that interaction, we focused on three cities initially. One was Flint. We also looked at New Orleans, and we were also initially looking at um, New York. So for Flint, we were looking at the redevelopment after the water crisis and also looking into the ways emergency management had led to that crisis. And in New Orleans, we were looking at the way housing and other infrastructures had been privatized after Hurricane Katrina. And in New York, we were actually originally looking at the ways in which the development of downtown had really been instrumentalized by private interests after 9-11 and used in ways that those private interests had sort of wanted to redevelop the downtown for a long time prior to 9-11. So I joined the project in the summer of 2018 and saw it through to the end of the academic year 2019. And we basically picked up where um, Laura and all the team from the year prior had left off and really zoomed into the post-Katrina landscape for most of what we were looking at. And those became a number of projects where they had pointed out the year prior specific instances of privatization in the city proper. We expanded on that, mapped it, and analyzed it. We started with uh, mapping an unnatural disaster. And mapping an unnatural disaster was a project done between me and my three teammates. And we split up the work looking at public hospitals, public housing, and various other buildings that had suffered significant damage during the storm and were basically erased from the map. Like they were no longer inhabitable. Everybody put a lot of money into ensuring that no one would redevelop these and make them once again, functional public housing, public hospitals. And so over the course of just a few years, the privatization cycle had started before Katrina, but it was greatly exacerbated by Katrina. And it gave them a great excuse to say that none of these buildings can possibly be restored. So all of the public hospitals in New Orleans are now closed, whereas there were, I think, four um, open in 2000. And Just mapping those public hospitals and their closures gave me a launching point to do the project uh, privatizing public health, where I was specifically looking into 
the University Medical Center, New Orleans, and how this just years long process where they maintained that Charity Hospital, which was damaged during Hurricane Katrina, but not irreparably so, could not be reopened. It would just be prohibitively expensive. And they had to use eminent domain to clear out hundreds of homes in this New Orleans area and create a facility using state and FEMA money that was completely state of the art and no longer fell under the domain of a public hospital. To answer this question of what did you learn about the design, planning, and preservation of the built environment that you didn't know before going into this project? I think that a lot of the projects that I was working on when I was in grad school were kind of operating in a little bit of a bubble and purposefully so. You don't have to worry about financing. You don't have to worry about the parameters of technology, like what's actually able to be built right now. And that frees you up to design what you want and to think like more creatively about how people are going to live together in an apartment building if you don't have to worry about who's paying for it. But I think that having this research project in the background when I was a grad student made me more aware that the vast majority of architecture that's being built today is being built within this system with a lot of really complex agents that take agency away from architects for the vast majority of the time. Um, you know, you always have to satisfy a client. You always have to satisfy the needs of the RFP. <laughs> and it kind of set me up to recognize like what real world architecture is and how to, in certain cases, fight against it to organize against it and to kind of see it as something that if you spread awareness of the fact that like the system is set up in these ways, you have more agency going into it. To follow up on that and to also respond to the question of how this yeah, affects my role as a practitioner and how it influenced my approach to projects in school or, or studies in school. Um, I also think parallel and also slightly different from what you're saying, Alicia, but I, I realized the ways in which certain types of firms allow themselves to be instrumentalized in what you're talking about in this kind of like vast um, or ongoing privatization project. Like there are some architectural actors, we could say, that are, are perfectly fine operating in this sort of context of, you know, new urbanism, redevelopment of, of New Orleans post-Katrina to re replace areas that were formerly public housing with a sort of public-private partnership system um, that looks a specific way that, you know, that produces renderings in a specific way. As a practitioner, that's the sort of American context that you're operating in, in this moment in time. If you're aware that you don't want to sort of do the kind of work that simply um, allows privatization to sweep through after natural disasters or, you know, human-made disasters. Yeah, it's very important to sort of be aware of these patterns in the way firms operate so that you can sort of steer clear of them if you really, if you want to do something else. And as you say, Alicia, educate people more about how this is structured so that if people don't want to operate within it, they can find other ways to practice. You know, I was part of the early editing process for the um, videos that are posted on the website about um, Flint and about New Orleans. But yeah, I remember trying to make a graphic that showed the different emergency manage managers in Flint, and it was just an incredibly 
I mean, there's so there were so many. There was a sequence of like I think seven emergency managers that were appointed by different jurisdictions and at different times in this like rapid sequence, and that it was the austerity measures that were implemented by those emergency managers that led to the water crisis itself. And I guess just that detail always sort of stood out to me because it was so ridiculous when you when you put it into a graphic form for a video. It was just like one after the other, like what is going on and what's going on is just, yeah, austerity, emergency management. That was my intro into the project was seeing that video. And we kind of, we made that graphic to sort of understand even what was going on because, you know, you're reading through documents and you're taking notes and you're trying to figure out, trying to reconstruct the history for yourself, which obviously people who were there sort of understood more innately, but... It is so important to put those things into graphic forms. We did a lot of mapping of New Orleans, you know, mapping the pipeline in the proposed, well, eventually finished, but the pipeline in Flint that was um, supposed to replace the um, Detroit water initially, but was then delayed. And that was another sort of contributing factor to the crisis. Yeah, I think that there's been a lot of research done in all of these areas and all of these different scenarios about privatization. And there's been a lot of like really great journalism done in the past. But I think mapping brings a sense to it that really shows how all encompassing it is. It's a new way to look at it and it's a useful way to look at it. So I think we contributed to the larger dialogue in that way. I think it could be useful for any interested citizen, but certainly in an architecture school, this kind of approach to the structures of architectural practice, I think it's important to you know use documents like these or resources like these to situate one's practice within a larger context. And this is a resource to allow students and practitioners and professors to do that, I think. I think that a lot of the ways that these infrastructure scaled projects are set up is purposefully opaque. And by picking apart some of these scenarios in which services have been privatized and the buildings that house those services have been privatized, I think that you can take that knowledge and look critically at new situations that are happening across the U.S. (laughs) And Also, like one of the things that I really liked about the project was that we figured out how to trawl the USA jobs site for contracts, which is kind of infinitely useful for anybody. Basically, just to have the knowledge of who's getting these contracts, how much are they for, when and how are they being assigned. As a practitioner, you don't really like come across a need for that very often. But once you start digging, like I think that there's just a lot of useful knowledge to be had there. Even if you're asked to participate in a smaller project that's related to some some big project like this, that or yeah, yeah, some kind of big federally funded thing. If you're if even if you're far down on the food chain of a project like that, it's very important to still understand who's distributing the federal aid, who's you know what are their reasons for it. Is it going as in the New Orleans case? Is it being sort of distributed by questionable prominent local developers, and there's some sort of agenda? You know, I mean things that are very small can seem sort of innocuous or yeah unrelated to these larger structures but yeah something like being able to understand the current being able to trawl those those listings and like understand what's happening now is yeah i think as you say a very good thing to be doing and to be aware of i really appreciated the time that we had to just go into all of these sort of 
Yeah, as it, it is obscure, but you know, it's all available. It's it's public documents and you can find exactly where money goes in the federal government and just track it. It's it's a good trail to follow in order to understand the structures of things, just the money trail. Yeah, that's useful for anybody even marginally associated with any of these projects. <laughs> I'm personally most interested in housing, and I always have been um, while I was a grad student and now. I feel like my career will eventually branch off in that direction. Um, now I'm trying to get as much experience as I can with a bunch of different projects. I actually mostly work on offices right now, but I think that this project also really helped me understand and expand what I thought of as housing. One of the essays that I wrote was about mobile homes and how they were underutilized as a disaster response because of just like a long history of corruption and then basically just mistaking past mistakes for future promise. I too, as Alicia mentioned, I have also very, well, especially in school, was very interested in housing and, and did a lot of outside of even the second year housing semester, did a couple of other housing projects. That's a huge sort of realm of architectural research interest. I mean, it has been for a long time, but I am keenly aware that in the context of a lot of city, state, and in this country at the moment, there's really diminished funding for public housing, social housing. So it's challenging to practice that kind of architecture in a context that doesn't really provide for it financially. So I guess one thing that I would like to do more of um, and that I'm sort of starting to get connected to in the context of the Bay Area is understanding the public policy side of that and trying to you know push for change in that realm so that subsequent change can actually be you know materially possible. I'm currently practicing in a firm, a small firm that does mostly residential work with a strong focus on like net zero homes, but these are, you know, not social housing projects. They're, they're private residences. So I very much appreciate the sort of technical skills I'm getting at this phase in my career. But yeah, at some point I would like to merge those with the sort of social side of things and potentially keep writing and getting back into the more history research side of things. But the goal right now is to get licensed and to sort of understand all the technical aspects of design and building. I, I agree with Laura. Basically, you realize over the course of doing a project like this, how much politics is intrinsically tied to these architectural projects. And it does make you want to be more of a political actor as an architect. And currently I am trying to. <laughs> it's, a, it's a slow build though. 